Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Thanks, online church, for joining us. Turn your Bibles to Genesis chapter 28. Um, let's, uh, let's move ahead with this series. All summer long, we're doing a series called Hosting His Presence, Unveiling Heaven's Agenda. And every week is different. If you don't know this, we have a Bible study online on our Facebook group. I made specifically for this so that way you can be encouraged. It's got devotionals every day. Thanks to Rachel. She's typed them out. But every day there's a devotional. There is uh, questions, there's scriptures, just to kind of keep us all together moving at the same pace. Um, I give you the headlines, the devotionals is where it's really at, though. You get to really um, ingest that, you get to really think, you get to ask questions, you get to do all that kind of stuff. It's just a great, great time. So I encourage you to participate in that. Um, But we're going to talk about what it means to be the house of God, which I'm entitling today, Sneak Peek into God's House. A sneak peek into God's house, okay? So the first mention of the house of God, as when we say the house of God in the Bible, is found in Genesis chapter 28. Did anybody know that? The house of God is mentioned, and it's literally called the house of God in Genesis chapter 28. See, one of the most important things, this is something I apply to myself, and I want to encourage you to apply this to for you, that when you read and when you study the Bible, whenever there's a first time of something mentioned, it's important to know that because now that becomes the standard, okay? That now becomes the the platform of which we can jump off on anytime we see another house of God or when we see something depicted as the house of God, if you will. We can always come back to Genesis chapter 28 and know this is how it all started, okay? This is the foundation of what and where we're jumping from. See, when we think of a house of God, more than likely, what, we're, what we think of when we think of the house of God is we think of a building, you know, maybe a structure. I, I, I love, I, I probably quote it almost every Sunday when I do my live videos on Facebook. And what I do is I, it's probably not the safest thing, but what I do is I, is I jump in my truck. The moment I leave my house, I jump on live and I drive all the way here to the church Sunday mornings and I just do a quick live video on Facebook. And I always say, isn't it good? that we can go to the house of God today and worship God together. How many guys love coming to the house of God to worship God together? I mean, I love that. See, but when we think about the house of God, more than likely we're thinking of a building or a structure, or maybe we're even thinking of us as a person housing the presence of God. See, in this first mention of the house of God, there is not a body of believers, nor is there a building But this first mention of the house of God in Genesis chapter 28 actually talks about the system of the house of God. Not a building, not a structure, not even a person, but necessarily a system of what the house of God really means, what the house of God is developed, what entails when we say the house of God. See, if we can really catch this, I personally believe that it will change the way that we live and how we expect the kingdom of God to be operating in our lives. If we can understand what this thing about the house of God, which we're gonna describe here in just a moment, what this really means, this system of the house of God, if we can really catch this, I believe that our personal lives and our walk with Jesus Christ, okay, I'm gonna be speaking to believers this morning. If if maybe you don't know who Jesus Christ is, I want you to know that today's the day that you can give your life to Jesus. He's crying out for you. Amen? The Bible says he's willing to leave 
all 99 to go after the one. And if you're the one today, I want you to know you're in the right place. Okay? But this system of the house of God, if we can just understand this and catch this and really gain a, and garner a revelation of what this really means, I believe that it will change the way that we actually live and walk in the kingdom of God. So let's read it. Genesis chapter 28, verses 10 through 19 says, Then Jacob departed from Beersheba and went toward Haran. And he happened upon a particular place and spent the night there because the sun had set and he took one of the stones of the place and he made it a support for his head. And then he lay down in that place, verse 12. And he had a dream. Say, Jacob had a dream. He had a dream, right? And behold, a ladder was set up on the earth with its top reaching to heaven. And behold, the angels of God were ascending and descending on it. Let me just pause right there and just say, have you ever had one of those dreams before where you always thought it just felt really real? You know? I used to have dreams before where I felt like my alarm was going off. And then I woke up and it went, and then it rang, you know? Maybe it was just me internally, you know, going, I better wake up, I'm gonna be late for work. Um, you know, but we have these dreams that it just feels really real. Well, this is the context of this. In this dream, Jacob had this dream that it just felt extremely real, like he was right in the middle of it. Verse 13, then behold, the Lord was standing above it and said, I am the Lord, the God, your father, Abraham, and the God of Isaac, the land on which you lie. I will give to you and to your descendants. Your descendants will also be like the dust of the earth and you will spread out to the west, to the east, and to the north and to the south. And you and your descendants shall all the families of the earth be blessed. Verse 15, behold, I am with you and will keep you wherever you go and will bring you back to this land for I will not leave you until I have done what I have promised you. What a great promise. You know, last week I mentioned the reason why God says, I'll always be with you is because he's sending you on an impossible assignment where you can't do on your own. Verse 16. Then Jacob awoke from his sleep and said, the Lord is certainly in this place and I didn't know it. I just think that's so amazing to me. Let's just even take this morning for instance. Maybe some of you really felt the presence of God. Maybe some of you had an experience. I've been in services before where God is just completely moving. The tangible presence of the Lord is there. People are experiencing and encountering. And one person right here in the front seat can just be, yeah, Jesus, and God is touching. And the person sitting right next to them, looking at their watch going, what time's lunch? It's interesting to me, and it's also possible that somebody could sense the presence of God while the person right next to them says, I didn't even know God was there. That's why it's important to pray and ask the Lord every single day of our lives, God, make me aware of what you're doing. Make me aware of your presence. Make me aware of where you're headed. Jesus modeled this for us so well where he says, I only do what I see the Father doing. And he says, I only say what I hear the Father speaking. I only see what the Father is seeing. It is so important to model our lives after Jesus in such a way where we are aware of where God's direction is, where he's headed, where he's leading, and what he's doing. Because it's in there we can find the victories and the battles that we face. Amen? Come on, somebody. Verse 17, and he was afraid. 
and said, how awesome is this place? This is none other than the house of God. There's that word, the house of God. And then he said this really important statement afterward. He says, none of this is the house of God, but this is also the gate of heaven. So Jacob got up early the next morning, took the stone that he had placed as a support for his head and set it up as a memorial stone. And later on in the Discovery Channel, they realized that it was UFOs who put that there. And no, sorry, that's the Jacob International version. Um, And set it up as a memorial stone and poured oil on its top. Then he named that place Bethel, but previously the name of the city had been, which is my mom's name, Luce, which means light. So I want you to picture this with me. I'm going to ask you to do a lot of picturing today. Here's Jacob. He's laying on a hillside. And what does he see? What does he see? Here are the elements that define what a house of God is. This is the system of which we're talking about. Number one, he sees an open heaven. Okay, you guys got that with me? I want you to picture in your mind's eye an open heaven, what that looks like. For a lot of you, it's gonna mean a lot of different things. Maybe for some of you, you know, you love the wilderness, so you go out to the mountains and you see all the stars up in heaven. And I love that. That could be an open heaven. But I'd like to maybe suggest to you this morning that an open heaven in this supernatural encounter that Jacob had, maybe he literally saw heaven opened up. Maybe it went from one transitional place to the earthly realm and he saw activity and he saw heaven opened. And he saw heaven opened. I don't think I have this in my notes, but I think it's really important to understand that. Remember when Jesus was baptized? Then he said, I saw heaven opened. It's actually the same phrase. If I saw heaven open compared to Jacob saw heaven opened. It wasn't something that was just a supernatural experience. It was something literal that happened. The curtain had torn and the veil had ripped. And there was a transitional between earth and heaven. And he saw heaven open. So Jacob sees an open heaven. Number two. He sees a ladder reaching from earth to heaven. Pay attention to that. He sees a ladder reaching from earth to heaven. Our desire is to live from heaven to earth, right? Because we want to fulfill the Lord's prayer. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. We want to live from heaven's perspective to earth. But I think it's really important to understand that Jacob literally saw a ladder from earth to heaven. And we're going to get there in just a minute. Then he saw angelic presence, uh, an angelic presence going up and down this ladder from earth to heaven. Okay, you guys picturing that with me? Open heaven, ladder from earth to heaven. All of a sudden, angels... Literal angels. I don't know about you, but I believe in angels. I don't believe in angels more than I believe in Jesus, but I believe in angels. And here's, oh, I'm going to tell you this. (laughs) There was a period in my life, a season where the Lord had opened my eyes. And I'm not saying this to, to puff me up or you got to know my heart in this. Okay. But there was a season where the Lord had opened my eyes, where I was literally seeing angelic presence everywhere that I went. It was wild. I remember one time I was in a service like this in Minnesota, 
okay? It was at like at a conference um, and, and it was in Duluth. And, and I remember looking and the worship team was just going and it wasn't like this Holy Spirit moment. It wasn't like God was like knocking people down. It was just there. We were just worshiping the King of Kings, right? And how many of you guys know that angels are attracted to the presence of God? Right, so I look up and the Lord opened my eyes to see four angels standing above the worship team. One was made out of wind, one was made out of fire. And I went, I said, Chris, do you see that? You mean that lady over there wearing that dress? I said, no, not that lady. You see the angelic presence? It's like, no, I don't see it. It was just a season in my life. And then all of a sudden the door closed on that and, and, and it's not been very active anymore in my life, but I was thankful that I got to be a part of that. And I can't can't answer for you why those things happen in those seasons. I can't answer that for that. I know that God has a plan and a purpose for everything, and I just have to trust him. Right? I just have to trust him. Man, pastor, you're preaching good this morning. (laughs) Sorry, I'm saying stuff, and I'm going, man, that's really good for me. Right? So here's, they're going up and down. This thing, I heard a preach this one time, this angelic presence. They said they're going up because they finished an assignment, and they're coming down with a fresh assignment, okay? Then he comes to the conclusion, Jacob comes to the conclusion that this is a house of God. Now again, in that moment, there was no people, there was no building, but he calls it a house of God. But he calls it a house of God, a system, a way of doing things. So the experience defined of what a house of God looks like is an open heaven, heavenly activity and the voice of God. Because God spoke to Jacob in that dream. I remember having this really specific dream. I was really down. I was really hurting. Dare I say, I was so depressed, I couldn't even move. I was feeling very, very bad. And I can't even remember why. This is back in Illinois. I can't even remember why. But I remember having a specific dream where I felt like it was the Lord, come to me, take my hand, take me up to go see my mansion in heaven. Now, if you're a guest with us here today, this might seem a little weird, and that's okay. Okay, that's okay. Because there's a lot of weird stuff in the Bible that you can't explain either. And if it's in the Bible, we just can't throw it away and say, well, that, you know, that was just for then. No, listen, activity of heaven happens still today. So here I am having this dream. I felt like the Lord took me up to go see my mansion. I walked on the streets of gold. Actually, they were pearly white. I walked up to my mansion. There was a gold door. I walked inside. Everything was gold. And I said, God, what is this? And he says, this is the place that I'm preparing for you. I said, sweet. (laughs) Then he took off his robe, his sash made of gold, and he put it on me. It says, now go, warrior of heaven. And I, boom, and I woke up. You see, it's really easy to define ourselves on what the enemy loves to say about us, like we said earlier, right? But when we get a glimpse of how God sees us, we stand upright and we stand righteous with our heart, full of faith and full of confidence in what he says about us. You see, and I wanna encourage you today to be open to the supernatural things of God because they are active in a believer's life. And this right here shows us that it should be active because if this is the system of the house of God, right? Not a building, not a structure, not even a person, but a system of how heaven operates. And we should be having, we should be having supernatural experiences like this on a weekly, if not monthly, if not daily basis. God wants to open our eyes to see the open heaven. 
Again, pastor, so good, man. Okay, I gotta encourage myself. When God says, I've made you a house of God, he's not saying, I created you out of metal and sheetrock. He's saying, these things, this system is available. And these are staples of what it means to be a house of God. See, we have to come into a place of confidence that there is an open heaven around us. That there is an open heaven around us. It goes far and more than just trying to be a good person. Although I encourage you to try to be a good person. Okay? It goes far beyond than behavioral issues. Although our behavior should match what the word of God says. And when it doesn't, then we come to Jesus, we say, Father, forgive me, we receive the forgiveness, and we walk in confidence, and we process all that stuff out, right? God is more concerned about your heart than he is the behavior that you set out from it, because from the abundance of the heart, your life will live. It goes to understanding that there is an open heaven around us and above us where God wants to bring transactions of heaven's activity to and from the assignments of heaven speaking to us so therefore we can go and, and, and subdue the earth like, like he told Adam and Eve to do in Genesis chapter one and two. He said, go and subdue the earth. Go and multiply. Basically, what he was saying was take dominion over what I've given you. Listen, that commission has never stopped despite the sin that has been in our lives. That is the call of God for us to recognize heaven's activity. You see, when Jesus died on the cross, hear me, something very significant happened. The veil ripped from top to bottom. And they're saying that curtain was about six inches thick. Okay, anybody remember the power team? Remember the power team, John Jacobs? You know, come on, get behind him, everybody. He's gonna rip a phone back, phone book in half. He doesn't want to, ha, you know, ha. And then I found out that I could rip a phone book in half. It's all about technique. It's not about strength. Oh, you posers. Get behind him, everybody. See. The Lord ripped that curtain from top to bottom. And what that signified was this, because what that curtain represented was the block between the presence of God and us as humanity. And God says, oh yeah, watch what my son will do. When he died on the cross and it is finished, the veil ripped from top to bottom. And all of a sudden, full access from heaven to earth and from earth to heaven became available to you and I. That's what the cross did for us. And how can we be confident in this? When we gather together here this morning, there's a feeling of unity, togetherness, love, strength, power, and revelation. Why does that happen? Why when we gather together does that happen? See, what I experience at, at home by myself with God is amplified when I gather with people that are all going after the same thing. So what is the nature of God's house? It's where the activity of heaven is activated in your life by understanding the open heaven around and in you. The activity of heaven operating in your life, the going up of assignments and the coming down of assignments and the voice of God in your life. This is the system of the house of God. Taking my time, Judy. 
I'm teasing. <laughs> it's where the activity of heaven is activated in your life by understanding the open heaven around and in you. It's the activity of heaven operating in your life, the going up of assignments and the coming down of assignments and the voice of God active in your life. This is the system of the house of God. But then Jacob says this very interesting thing. He says, not only is this the house of God, but this is the gate of heaven. This is the house of God and this is the gate of heaven. It's not either or. It's both and. It's the house of God and the gate of heaven. So what is a gate? A gate is a transitional place. It's a place where you go from one realm to another realm. When I lived in Illinois, 2332 South Noble Avenue, Springfield, Illinois, 62704. Still remember my address. Had a one-car garage. Shared driveway with the house right next to me. At a gate separating between my house and the house literally right next to it. So when I would open the gate, I'd be in my backyard. I had an awesome backyard. It was great. So I'd be in my backyard, mowing the lawn, doing whatever. I didn't have much of a lawn, but cooking chicken wings. You just name it, okay? We did that in my backyard a lot, okay? So here we are, we're doing that. Then I had to go out from my backyard, I would go through the gate and instantly I moved from one realm that was mine instantly to another place that wasn't mine. I moved from one place, one realm, if you will, opened the gate instantly to another realm. I was on their property, right? I was on their property. Everyone asked me some point after this a story about a lady in that house, okay? I have to tell you, I can't tell you right now. It's an awesome story. And you won't believe me either. So I moved from one place to another. My, my mother-in-law knows what I'm talking about. I moved from one place to another place. It's a transition See, so I go from one place to another place when I step through the gate. So let's picture this. God has built his house on the edge of two worlds. And when something goes through one world to the next, it got to transition through the gate. That's why Jacob says, this is the house of God and the gate of heaven. So this, this heaven's activity these angelic visitations, they were ascending and descending through the gate. Okay, everyone getting weirded out already? Good. So John chapter 14, verse one says this, and the word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we saw his glory, glory as the only son from the father, full of grace and truth. Now we know that Jesus is the word of God and he became flesh and dwelt among us, amen? Okay, we believe that? Okay. That's why he's called the living word. It's not just the Bible, although it is the Bible, the written scripture in your hand, but he is the word. That's why he's called the living word. But what's interesting, 
That word dwelt there and he dwelt among us, what that word dwelt there literally means tabernacled. The word dwelt means tabernacled and I'm gonna be done here in just a few minutes. So in, Gen- in, in Genesis chapter 28 language, we can read it like this. Jesus became flesh and became a house of God to us. He became a house of God to us. So Jesus is his house of God. He's the dwelling place of the spirit of God. For the remainder of his life and his ministry, when Jesus was baptized again by John, heaven opened up, something very significant happened, a voice happened, and then a dove rested upon him, right? Does anybody remember that? A dove rested upon him. That literally signifies that the Holy Spirit came upon the person, the man, the son of man, Jesus Christ. And he did that as an example for you and I to say we need the empowerment of the Holy Spirit resting as a house of God on our lives to fulfill the destiny and the calling that he has for us. Now remember, what is the house of God? An open heaven, activity of heaven, activity of heaven, angelic ascending, descending, and also the voice of God in our lives. That is the representation of Jesus being baptized in the Holy Spirit saying, I need this. Now, he became the perfect example of what that was. And I love in John chapter one, verses 48 through 49, it says this, Nathanael said to him, how do you know me? Jesus answered and said to him, before Philip called you, when you were under the fig tree, I saw you. Nathanael answered him, Rabbi, you are the son of God. You are the king of Israel. Jesus answered and said to him, because I said to you that I saw you under the fig tree, do you believe? And then Jesus says this, well, Nathaniel, you're gonna see greater things than these. Truly, truly, I say to you, you will see a heaven opened and the angels of God ascending and descending on the Son of Man. The activity of heaven, the gateway, the house of God living. So here's Jesus, he becomes the initial fulfillment of the house of God as is prophesied in the, New Test- in the Old Testament. And he says to Nathaniel, you're going to see greater things than this. You're going to see the house of God, not just in theory anymore, but you're going to see the house of God in action. And this is where it gets really good. You see, now Jesus lives his life here on the earth for three, three and a half years. He does ministry under the empowerment of the Holy Spirit, resting on him, having confidence in that as an example for you and I to say, you can do what I can do. That's what Jesus was saying. He was saying, you can do what I can do. Not just be a good person, not just swear, not just don't smoke, and not just don't do all those kinds of things, but to actually live under an open heaven, to have a heaven's activity constant in our lives, a a, a going up and a coming down of heaven's activity, and you can also clearly hear the voice of God is what Jesus did in that time. And so when Jesus says, in one, one part he says, I am the light of the earth. I am the light of the world, is what Jesus says. But then before he passes away and he dies, he goes to the cross, he says, now listen, guys, you are the light of the world. Come on, somebody. He says, I am the light of the world. And then he commissions us and he says, now you are the light of the world. It's how Jesus put it all together. He says, I am the house of God. Then he says to you, you are the house of God. You are the house of God, people. 
You are the house of God, people. You are the house of God. Remember, what is the house of God? When we go back to Genesis 28, the house of God. Again, let me reiterate, is an open heaven. Guess what? You now have an open heaven over your life. Why? Because Jesus said you do. How much more do we need than that? You have activity of heaven happening in your life. Why? Because the Lord called you to have activity of heaven in your life. You have the voice of God speaking very clearly to you. Why? Because that's what he said is gonna happen to you. Artina, if you can come up. So what comes with the house of God again in open heaven? Activity of heaven. God's voice active in your life. And that, my friends, is a normal Christian lifestyle. It's not something abnormal. It's not something we should drum up. It's not something we gotta, we gotta like, <laughs> I picture Christians in a Flintstone car, right? Boom, and then they take off, okay? No, it's the engine already operating in you. All you have to do is press the gas. That's it. The activity of heaven is already active in your life. Moving forward because of what he's done for us. You see, whatever is in the Bible, the written word of God should be visible out here in our lives, right? And vice versa. Whatever's out here in our lives should be a reflection of what's in the word of God. And as I close here in Acts chapter two, verses one through 13, and if you've been around this church, you know for a long time that we actually believe in the Holy Spirit. We actually believe in speaking in tongues. We think that's a normal part of a Christian's life. It's nothing weird. It's nothing we go, whatever. It should just be normal for us. But that's not what this is all about. In Acts chapter two, verses one through 13, it says this, when the day of Pentecost had come, they were all together in one place. Which first of all, that's the first miracle of revival. Unity. They were all together in one place. And suddenly a noise like a violent rushing wind came from heaven and it filled the whole house where they were sitting. And tongues that looked like fire appeared to them, dis dis distributing themselves and a tongue rested on each one of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with different tongues as the Spirit was giving them the ability to speak. Now, there were Jews residing in Jerusalem, devout men from every nation under heaven. Verse six. And when this sound, someone say sound, when this sound occurred, the crowd came together and they were bewildered, which another translation says they were confused. How many of you guys know that an outpouring of the Holy Spirit can confuse people? You know, everyone has this idea of like, we just have revival and everyone just, and everybody would just be fine. I want you to know that when God comes and when revival happens and we are after the things of God, it causes issues within a body. It drums up stuff. But what a good place to be in. They were bewildered because each one of them was hearing them speak in his own language. They were amazed. These are all the attributes of revival. Confused, amazed, astonished, saying, why, not, why are not all these who are speaking Galileans? And they all continued in amazement and perplexity, saying to one another, 
what does this mean? <laughs> Have you ever asked God, God, what does this mean? I don't know what this means. You're in the right place. You're in the right part with God. Because if you seek God and you seek truth, the Bible says you're going to find it. But others were mocking, jeering, the Bible says, and saying they're full of sweet wine. So here we have confusion, amazement, astonishment, perplexity, questions, and mocking. I tell you, if you have all those things set up in a church, we're doing pretty good. You see, if God comes in a way where everyone can understand, then he came to fit our size, not us fit his size. See, we don't want a move of God fashioned after our capabilities. We want one fashioned after his. So here we have the house of God where he's built on the edge of two worlds. And because the house of God is the gateway between two realities, what happened in Acts chapter two was, first of all, this is why it's important to understand this, that the ladder came from earth to heaven. Before the Holy Spirit fell, the Bible says that they were praying and invading heaven with their prayers for 10 days. How many of us would give up on day one? Well, I guess that's a joke. I'm out of here. This promise of the Holy Spirit. Earth invaded heaven long before heaven invaded earth. And that's why it's important to understand when we talk about the gateway and the house of God, that earth, that the ladder that Jacob saw came from earth to heaven. Because God will respond to our hunger. No, no, no. I think you understood that. God will respond to those who want him. God will respond to those. I'm not saying that he won't respond if we don't want him. I'm saying the more people, when we gather together as a house of God, structure building people, when we say, God, we want you, God says, I want to give myself to you. And he'll come, but we have to invade heaven with who we are, with our prayer, with our passion, with our worship to him. This is why it's important. And the Bible says a sound came from heaven, a roar that went from the world, from heaven, through the gate into this world and the people erupted in other languages. So what did the 120 experience? Number one, what did they hear? Number one, they heard a rushing wind. Number two, what did they see? They saw fire. Psalms 104, chapter, chapter 104, verse four says this. He makes his angels, his spirits, the winds, his messengers. And he makes his ministers flames of fire or flaming fire, his ministers. Remember what we talked about earlier. What Jacob saw, he saw the activity of heaven, angels. So here's this, an open heaven, a gateway, activity of heaven. What happens on that 10th day? Fire, wind first comes. Wind, whew, angelic visitation. Now fire comes whew, and blasts them with fire. Friends, this is my and yours heritage as a believer. This is our inheritance. 
to have the activity of heaven in wind and fire activated in our lives. And when this sound occurred, the crowd came together, verse six, and they were bewildered because each one of them was hearing them speak in his own language. Now, I don't think at this time in an international city, people standing in a rooftop area, if you will, speaking in all different languages is going to attract everyone to come around. I think what attracted the people to come and make them literally stop in their tracks was the sound of wind and fire coming through that place. Everyone hear me. Everyone in the city stopped. What's going on? Something just happened. It's kind of like when you're sitting in your living room, right? And lately you hear a 4th of July firework go off and you think it's a gunshot, right? And you sit there and you go, what was that? That's what happened on that day. People are woodworking. It's a festival. They're cooking food. They're doing all these kinds of things. And all of a sudden, everyone in one moment stopped and they says, we gotta go find the sound. We have to go find the sound. We have to go find the sound. We have to go find the sound. And when they got there, the sound, everyone was perplexed because they were all speaking in their native language. It wasn't the tongues that drew them. It was the sound of heaven that drew them. Evangelism 101. You want to impact the world around you? Release the sound of heaven within you. Come on, somebody. That's a good word. You want to impact the world around you? Release the sound of heaven within you. Amen? See, this is our normal lifestyle if we are yielded, surrendered to God, if our hearts are yielded and surrendered to him. There's been about two or three times in my lifetime, maybe for some of you it's way more, where I've been to in a place before where they had an orchestra. And the music just plays, right? They have the pit down there and, and everything just goes, it's so great. But if it was just one instrument, it wouldn't sound really that powerful, would it? But just imagine if everyone is operating in the same place, in the same thing, in the same time, how beautiful it would be. Unity doesn't mean uniformity. It just simply means that we're all after the heart of God. That's unity. I don't have to do it like you. You don't have to do it like me. But what we have to come in agreement in is that we're after God's heart. That's unity. And when we do that together, God creates this beautiful sound of orchestra where people, the world now become attracted to the house of God. To the house of God, amen? So what I wanna pray for this morning is that God simply blow his breath of his spirit upon us. Just blow his wind upon us so we can resound what he's resounding for yielded hearts, surrendered hearts. Got this friend, really great guy, can play a mean saxophone. Anybody like the saxophone? I tried to play the saxophone one time. That's why I play the drums. 
Sounds like a dying cat. It's awful. Well, my buddy, great saxophone player, when he puts that reed in his mouth, whatever it is, soprano sax, baritone sax, whatever the case is, any kind of instrument that he has in his hand, when he blows on that, the greatest sound comes out. And what I want to pray for is that we are the gateway, the reed of God's presence. So when he blows upon us, a beautiful sound comes out. So Father, in Jesus' name, I just ask and I pray here today that our hearts, number one, will be yielded and surrendered to you. Let us be surrendered and yielded to you. Forgive us, God, if there's any secret sin within us. Forgive us, God, if we have ever tried to hide something from you. But God, help us to come clean before you, God, so we can remain in humility before you. Father, have patience with us. We know that we are your children. Keyword, children. So Father, we love you. Allow your Holy Spirit to breathe upon us so we can be a beautiful brass sound to this world. We bless you in Jesus' name. Amen.